So we're going to continue in our theme uh, this evening of work, uh, uh, faith and work, and looking particularly at uh, the idea of uh, work being fruitless and pointless because of sin, or at least it being a, um, at least infected with a sense of fruitlessness and uh, pointlessness, and how we deal with that as believers. But uh, before we do that, we'll pray. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, uh, we come before you tonight and we ask that uh, you would bless our time together. Uh, we recognize that we need to be shoulder to shoulder, that we need to support one another in this Christian walk, that we live in a time of battle, uh, as has always been the case. But we know who our king is. We know where the victory lies. And we are called to uh, call out to you. We're called to... Uh, focus our attention and stay close to Jesus, called to learn from you, to sit at your feet as disciples. And we pray that we would do that, and we would do that together. And we thank you for the encouragement of uh, church family, um, both here and uh, throughout the world, and that we can join together in a way like this. And we thank you for those too who can join um, on the live stream. We pray and ask for your blessing on us and our thoughts together for a few moments and that uh, Christ would be the center of all we do and that you would hear our prayers, Lord, as we cry to you. We cry and plead and we'll make our petitions and we will worship together. And we pray that you would help us to do that in the middle of the week as we gather in your name. We ask it uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Redeemer and our Savior. Amen. Okay, uh, just a couple of questions uh, before we start. For those of you, well, take work in, in its broadest context, uh, not just uh, employment, but your studies uh, or even your retirement, whatever you do in your retirement. Uh, just going to ask you a couple of questions. What is your love? What do you love about work? Well, let's hear you. What do you love about your work? Just throw out some things. You what? When it's five o'clock, you get to go. There's a great answer of the pointless, burdensome sense that he has of work. Uh, I was love about work. Okay, uh, clocking off. What else? Anything actually positive about work? Getting stuff done, achieving, performing. Anything else? Making a difference. Excellent. Getting paid to do interesting things. Yeah, being rewarded and enjoying it. Networking. Yeah, meeting other people. Maybe people with a common uh, interest or a common ability or gift uh, that you have. What then makes work frustrating? What can make work frustrating? <laughs> Deadlines. Okay, yeah. Sorry? People. Of course. People can make work very frustrating. Anything else? One oh, of no, you students. Graft hard, graft sweat at the brow, yeah. Can make it frustrating. If you had an opportunity, to make things better, what would you do in your workplace? You had an opportunity to change things. 
or what would be the one thing that you would really enjoy that would make your work life better, your study life better, or whatever it might be? Come in. If other people changed, <laughs> yep, if other people changed, that would possibly make your work a much better place. Anything else? Fairness. fairness, yeah. Uh, a sense of equity and fairness in the workplace. Yeah, that would make a difference. Good. We'll kind of touch on probably most of these things just for a moment this evening. Uh, because we've seen so far that work is good. Uh, in our studies so far, we've seen that work is, is not a result of the fall. It is a good thing. It's a reflection of uh, being made in God's image. Uh, because God is a worker, is a creator, and he mandated us to create and to cultivate and to develop uh, a civilization and uh, culture uh, within uh, the world. And I think uh, towards the end of last uh, time that you met, uh, Corey spoke, spoke about how in Christ we're called to recapture that uh, sense of uh, dignity and importance uh, of work, and we're empowered to do that in the Holy Spirit. But of course, there's a there's a bit in between there, isn't there, uh, that links both these things together. Uh, and we've assumed the crisis of sin, uh, sin that's the destroyer, and that's uh, what diseases every aspect of God's creation. Every aspect it wasn't just Adam and Eve that were affected by the fall; it was the whole of creation, and it introduces tension and strife and abuse. And uh, so it's very important that as workers, we recognize that and we recognize that we don't just need grace and the Holy Spirit in church or for our Christian stuff or even for our Christian heart. We need it in the workplace. It's not like you just need God when you, when you go to church or for your own personal devotion. You need Christ, you need God, and you need the Holy Spirit to redeem work and to uh, transform it and to help us to understand what sin has done. So we're going to look at a couple of things, fruitlessness and pointlessness that uh, sin has uh, in introduced into the whole concept of work. And we're going to read firstly in uh, Genesis 3, 16 to 19. It's, it's the, the, chap, the famous chapter about the fall of humanity, a re rebellion against God. But we're only going to look at uh, verses 16 to 19, and it will come up on the screen, uh, hopefully. God has uh, brought judgment. Uh, we've seen what's happened. We know what's happened. And God has brought judgment. And uh, he has uh, brought judgment on, on the evil one, on the serpent. Uh, and the enmity that he's brought. And then he speaks to the woman, to the woman, he said, yeah, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For your dust and to dust, dust you shall return. So we, we know we know well that that 
the story, uh, the truth of the fall of humanity. Uh, humanity's representatives, would they be the ones who would love and who would trust God's goodness and provision and relationship enough not to eat from the tree of life? Even if they didn't know why they were being asked not to eat of it, would they obey him as representatives of humanity? No. Because we know that. We know that they wanted more. They weren't content just with their position before God. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to have that independence. And there's mystery in all of that as we recognize that every single human being would have made the same choice. Had you been there, had I been the representative, had anyone been the representative, we would have made the same choice and uh, would have brought sin and rebellion into our experience. And as it unfolds, as the maker is rejected, and his instructions are rejected, nothing works as it should. Nothing uh, is as God created it. Uh, just very quickly, I want you to look up Romans. I mean, it's a well-known uh, verse, uh, Romans chapter 8, but it's very significant. Um, Romans chapter 8 and verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves. So is that great truth that uh, humanity and creation is groaning under the sense of fruit, fruitlessness and frustration because of God's judgment. And there's two massive areas uh, that are uh, spoken of here by, by God in, in, in his act of judgment in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, really major legs of humanity, as it were, that, that are part of our whole creation life. And that is love and work. That's the two elements that are dealt with in these words uh, that we have. And in verse 16 and in verse 17, we have the same word used to link them together, which is pain. You will surely multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children. And then uh, we also have uh, later on um, in verse 17, uh, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, uh, in pain uh, you shall eat of the ground that is cursed. And there's this linking, uh, this word uh, toil or labor or pain that is used, travail, uh, and it links all of life, really, work and love, the two major elements of, of life. And in English, we link the two together as well. In the English language, we use the word labor. So we use the word labor of uh, childbirth, uh, and we use the word labor of hard work, uh, effort, sweat, uh, hard labor. We use the same words and it brings the two together. And we see that that is very significant uh, in relationships and gender. Uh, you've got that whole area, not only of childbearing and the pain, but also the, the tension between man, man and, and woman comes in because of the fall. Uh, and that's a tension and it's a pain and a, a it's a reality that we all know, we all understand, and we all experience that friction uh, and that difficulty. 
And we know, we speak a lot about relationships, don't we? About how uh, grace should change our relationship, not just with God, but with one another in marriage and in, uh, in, in work and with our colleagues and our neighbors. And uh, we know we need the gospel to enable us to do that, to relate to one another better. But maybe we don't think so much about it in relationship with work, because the same curse, the same judgment is brought on uh, humanity with respect to work, where this great gift that God gave to humanity, this great responsibility is now cursed, is now under his judgment. Uh, and it's with painful toil, with the sweat of our brow uh, that we work and that uh, we see the thorns and the thistles and the fruitlessness coming into work, unproductive, frustrating, unfulfilling. You've mentioned some of the things tonight. There's conflict in work. There's competition with other people. You get tired. You get fed up. You blame other people for the mistakes that are being made in the workplace. You fail yourself. Uh, there's personal frictions. There's interpersonal uh, difficulties. And there's that sense of inability. You fail exams or you fail a, a, a piece of work in the workplace, or whatever it might be. And that's frustrating and difficult. Uh, and it's, there's tension, and uh, there's the sweat of our brow. And we live with that tension as Christians, and you live with that tension as Christians, recognizing that work is intrinsically good, but sin has made it difficult to value it and to uh, honor God in the workplace as we ought. So it's important for us to recognize this biblical truth as workers, as those who will spend our lives uh, and have maybe even uh, more or less spent our lives working. Uh, expect frustration when you're studying, when you're working, when you're laboring. Recognize it. Expect challenges every day because that's what we're not. We're not living in in you know a world where. Uh, we all find our dream jobs and everything goes swimmingly. There's, we need Christ to redeem our attitude to work as well as work itself. And in response to frustration and opposition and boredom and fruitlessness, we need to take Christ into these difficult days uh, of work and these challenging days uh, where we may struggle. I think today it's, it's, it's interesting for many people in 21st century Western world, there's many options for work. You can make many choices about where you want to work and what you want to do. And almost there can be too many. And people look for a dream job. They look for a brilliant job, look for fulfillment every day of life and uh, use their gifts to the full. Um, and maybe some would even believe that that's God's will, uh, that we, we work in that way. And, and I think that can be quite difficult um, because sometimes even that is seen uh, not in a gospel-centered way, but in a way that will enable us uh, to find the kind of lifestyle that we want, to fund the kind of lifestyle that we want. We're looking for jobs that not will only just give us personal fulfillment, but will uh, pay us enough to really live the rest of our lives so that we can clock off at five o'clock and say cheerio to the rest of the week um, and uh, that's a challenge for us it's a challenge to recognize work uh, as something that needs redeemed and needs Christ to be involved in I think it's different from maybe my grandparents generation 
just post-war, uh, where they simply just did anything because there was hardly any work. Uh, there wasn't a choice or there wasn't opportunity. They weren't able to go to university and all of these things. They simply had to do whatever they, they could. Uh, they simply worked. And again, maybe there was a danger in that as well uh, in just cursing the fact that they couldn't do uh, what they dreamed of doing, but nonetheless uh, were called to bring Christ into that. So we, we're not to be, and we can never be as Christians, we shouldn't be because of the fall and because of our understanding of the gospel. We should never be fatalistic about work. We should never think it's godless, uh, nor at another level should we think there's nothing we can do about it. We're called in everything to redeem the environment in which we live. Christ changes everything. Why does that matter in work? Because he took the curse. He wore the crown of thorns, the thistles and the thorns. He wore them. And because he sweated drops of blood, he sweated, not by just the sweat of his brow, but he sweated drops of blood, all speaking of him taking himself, taking on himself the curse of the fall and the curse of what it means to be affected uh, in the workplace by the fall. And he did that to redeem us, to breathe life into us, transform who we are and what we do. To transform these two areas of, of curse, love, relationships, men and women, marriage, and work. And so we have that recognition uh, that we're called to make our workplaces as fruitful as they can be in Christ. And it may be, in other words, I don't think in terms of being, uh, we're not fatalistic. It doesn't mean that if you're in a job, you're stuck in it forever and say, well, I just got to make the best of this. It, it means that we can, we can look at who we are and, and where we are. We can seek better jobs that are more fitted to our gifts, our temperament, that are more valuable jobs, maybe, that are more beneficial to others and to society. It's not, it's not, um, fatalistic in that way, that we don't do anything about our situation. That's, that's not what we're called to do. Uh, but there's a, a balance within that. Uh, and we're to recognize uh, the attitude we are, have, we are to have in our workplaces. We're to be those who give glory to God in the workplace. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. So we're not working just for salary. We're not just working for approval and for our boss or for promotion. We're working for the glory of God, giving our best, even if no one sees us, because we recognize and see and understand our perspective, which is a heavenly element to it, a better future. So we redeem the now. Okay, we will call to redeem what we have now, because we know there's a better future in Christ. And I think we're also called to recognize and work uh, that it should be useful, and we should be useful, members of society. Anyone, Paul says to the uh, thieves who are converted in Ephesus, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but they must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So it's not just all about ourselves. It's not just about our career. It's not just about... Uh, just our satisfaction. It's about the glory of God and being useful for humanity and those around us. And of course, as providers, 
we're providing for ourselves and others. Anyone, Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, doesn't provide for their relatives and especially their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Pretty strong stuff. This importance of providing, not just for self, but for family, for community, for church, for those around us. So we're not to be fatalistic about work. But we do recognize that Monday morning will often be a battle. Not for me. Monday morning is a good morning for me. Because uh, I've done a lot of work. But for most people, working on a Monday morning is tough. Uh, at least maybe a Sunday night's worse. Uh, and there is that battle that we have. But we go into the week. We recognize that there's a curse. <laughs> we recognize that we're part of the problem. And we don't go into work place always wanting to justify ourselves or blame other people for the mistakes that are happening, which is very often a temptation for us. We take that battle to Christ. We recognize that he calls us to look into ourselves and to work in a way that is God-honoring and glorifying to him. And, and that involves uh, a lot of different things. So it may be, for as I mentioned earlier, you might not ever get your dream job. We're told today to reach for the stars all the time. Reach for the stars. Believe what you want. Believe in yourself and you'll get whatever that you want. That doesn't often happen. Very few people change the world. But there is a balance recognizing uh, that we can flourish where we are. Don't be cynical about work. Don't be unenthusiastic about work, even if it's not the greatest work that you uh, hope to do. Recognize that we might fail sometimes in our goals. Have, be realistic rather than idealistic. Uh, and recognize that there will be opportunities. And you can discuss this more, I think, in city groups about uh, staying in one job or, or moving on or, or seeking uh, change. And what does that look like? And what wisdom do you need? And, and uh, how do you deal with the reality of coping and with frustrations uh, and a lack of fulfillment uh, and should we act on that should we change our situation so there's there's interesting questions there about life and about fruitlessness and the struggle that sin has brought into the world and I think along with that uh, there's also a set I think sin has brought a sense of pointlessness if not for Christians at least for many people uh, and if we take God out of the equation, then your work is a waste of time and my work is a waste of time because it comes from God. So we've got uh, another short section to read before we, we turn to prayer. Uh, and it's in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter two. A lot of Ecclesiastes speaks about work. Um, this amazing book. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, from verse 17 uh, to verse 26. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. I hated all my toil, same word, in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill 
must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone else who didn't toil for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better than for a person uh, that a person uh, that he should, in, should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or have any enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sp sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only uh, to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Now, we can't go into the complexities of interpreting um, uh, all of the details of Ecclesiastes, but as a general interpretive rule for that book, uh, you've got uh, the teacher, the Koheleth, the, the, the wise man, and he's looking at life philosophically. From two, he's, he's putting on two hats. Uh, one hat is as an as a unbeliever or as someone which is always used in, in, in the book, uh, entitled Under the Sun, uh, without reference to God. And he, he lives that life as, and he tries out that life, living to the full as someone without uh, knowledge of God or without reference to God. And then he reverts, reverts back to his conclusions each time about uh, the difference it makes to have God in his life. And here in this section, for the most part, he's, he's making... He's making that uh, judgment about the insignificance and uh, the pointlessness of working with no reference to God, with, with only doing it for your own benefit, uh, for your own wealth, for your own pleasure. Because, well, well, you die and someone else gets your inheritance. Someone else gets the benefit of all the work you've done. What's the point of all, it, all of it? Why do we do that? And uh, there's no ultimate meaning or reason or design or fulfillment or permanence it's a chasing after the wind and that i think for many people is a is a reality if they allow themselves to think about it um work for most people is purely utilitarian uh, serving their own needs it's just serving a, a particular need and we find that when there is no uh, noble uh, reason for working no noble God to work for, then motives and desires uh, and sinful uh, attitudes begin to dominate uh, in the workplace. So that profit, for example, becomes the great motive uh, rather than God. The, shale, the shareholder uh, and the provision for the shale, shareholder is everything before the employee works Work becomes a means to an end, whether it be wealth or power uh, for many. And we see that. We see that in the society uh, as society is developed, as production is developed. Um, often work alienates individuals and alienates uh, people's uh, dignity and people's gifts and people's value. Um, and that's done by human design sinful human design, mass production, economies of scale, where someone is stuck putting a widget somewhere all day. That's all he ever does. Moves one thing from one table to another table. Or 
anything like that, uh, where there's no sense of uh, valuing the end product, no sense of uh, pride in seeing what is produced. Um, and it's all uh, very utilitarian. There's a tremendous inequality can come from uh, leaving God out of the picture. Uh, the employees of John Lewis just now are, uh, or not the, the employees, yeah, who, who are also shareholders, are uh, questioning the latest moves of John Lewis to uh, make part of the business owned uh, for profit in a different way as it has been. Um, and, and so we see this constant drive uh, towards more and more profit where individuals and workers can be oppressed, there can be injustice, quality control can go out the window, and materialism can become rampant. Um, the creation of need uh, where uh, there is no real need, a sense of employee worthlessness, corporate monsters chewing people up and spitting them out. Now, that's not a political statement. It's a recognition that when God is left out of the picture, when everything is simply uh, moving forward under the sun without absolute truth, without absolute authority, absolute accountability, then there's always a spiral downwards for us. So it can become pointless. Uh, and that's a, a, a desperate reality of the world in which we live. So a couple of things just as we close. Uh, one about choosing work uh, and one about our attitude to work. In terms of choosing work, I think it's important that we choose as much as we can to do things that we do well. Uh, the gifts and capacities that God has given us. But not allow that to become an idol so that we say that uh, that's all we can ever do. Uh, and yet it becomes our raison d'etre. Our work becomes our life. It becomes our identity. It becomes our significance. Nothing should replace Christ as our significance. Not our calling, not the, the letters before our name or the letters after our name or the, the influence we think we have. Uh, nothing should replace uh, our identity in Christ. But it is nonetheless important that we seek uh, in our workplace to do things that we do well. And when that's the case, that we do it well, that we do it to God's glory, that we do it to the best of our ability, whether people are watching or not. Things that we can do well in choosing work, uh, work that benefits others. I think that's significant. We should look for work that's worthy, that is adding value to society, that's adding value to people, adding value to the community, um, that your part, your role uh, uh, is adding value uh, to other people, not just from what you produce, but from your very person. Uh, now, I would argue in that case that we should prefer, and I know it's not always possible, but we should prefer working in a social environment as long as we can with other colleagues, and of course, with work, everyone working or having the opportunity to work at home, uh, and there's lots of reasons for that. I think we should uh, beware of the danger of that because it's isolating. Uh, it's 
lessening our ability to live as salt and light uh, in community, working with people, sharing our faith, giving a reason for the hope that's within us in the workplace. Um, so we recognize that we are there to benefit others, not just by our product and by our productivity, but by our person, by our character. You know, how damaging is it when we hear of Christians who are rotten in the workplace, who are bullies, uh, who are uh, careless, who are cutting corners, who don't take Christ into the, the place of their work, who don't take the principles of godliness into their workplace. So we need to benefit others by the standards we uphold, uh, the pressures we withstand and stand against when we're called to do things that uh, we are unable to do. And I think choosing work, we should also recognize that we can benefit the field of work itself. We can add value to uh, the industry we're in, uh, or the work that we're involved in. We can develop creativity, a specialism, because work is valuable in and of itself, whether that's in education or uh, product, uh, industry, whatever it might be. We can add value to work itself because work is good. So they might be one or two things you might consider in choosing work. And I hope that there'll be lots of things to discuss when you meet together. And lastly, just our attitude to work, recognizing the reality of toil and frustration and the temptation to feel that your work is pointless, um, as if uh, it, has of no, it is of no value. As in every other area of life, have a God perspective, recognize that God perspective again in Ecclesiastes 3 13 is great was it also to everyone also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil this is God's gift to man that's that's the the alternative to under the sun it's recognizing that uh, being satisfied in the workplace is a gift from God and we need that God perspective we need to keep Christ in the center and know the the wisdom that he brings to us in our lives and the balance that he gives. In chapter 4 and verse 5 and 6, it talks about the fool has his, folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after the wind. And that, So that's that balance, isn't there, of hard work, but also of tranquility. Uh, idleness is uh, never uh, anything other than... Uh, condemned scripturally. Uh, Paul warns against idleness in 2 Thessalonians 3, and he showed his own alternative by being one who worked and labored night and day, toiling for the gospel. Yet this gospel God perspective, take that into the workplace. It's, it's never that we close our spiritual hearts and minds on a Sunday night and live the rest of our week for ourselves. So have a God perspective and have a prayerful dependence on God regarding your work. Uh, pray about your job. Pray about your attitude on a Monday morning. Pray about the battle and struggle it might be when things are very difficult. Pray for your colleagues. Maybe no one else has ever prayed for them or ever will pray for them. And see the significance that you have of being salt and light. It might not be directly evangelistic necessarily but 
your presence, your attitudes, your walk in and of itself is salt and light. And that's a very significant thing to consider. So a few thoughts there on uh, pointlessness and uh, frustration that sin has brought in and, and the balance and the, the struggles and the challenges that that brings to us um, in the workplace. It's the balance of not being idealistic, not being fatalistic, uh, but seeking wisdom. And all these things where maybe there's not black and white answers, seeking the wisdom and grace of God and soaking our minds in the character of God so that we know uh, the decisions to make.